Switching about. So as I was saying, what's that uh, thing from Wolf and Wall Street again? Not that. No, it was but, good yeah. though. Well, it wasn't until I started trying to go do something else. Anyway, now... Oh, I've lost it, sorry. What, the will to live? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> now... <laughs> Now it's time for another episode of Tuna Boot. This week we're bringing to you Music Histories with Liam. And this episode is hosted by Jim. Well, hello. Thank you very much for joining us for our very first live episode of Tuna Boot. Come on, make some noise, everybody. Oh, it's fantastic to be here. Thank you very much, all of you, for joining us. So, my name's Jim Rennie and I'm here to bring you the second in our series of Tuna Boots Musical Histories, and I'm joined by everyone's favourite, yeah. Liam. He's been steeped in musical appreciation since the womb. He has <laughs> his ear to the zeitgeist, his finger on the pulse. And I'm How s- are you? I'm Don't s- ever, ever interrupt me. How are you? Maybe if you didn't pause after every so- uh, song, after every <laughs> You asked words. me to do this presenting style. <laughs> if you don't like it, fuck off. I'm very, very happy to be here with you, Jim. This is an absolute honour to be on the very first live episode of Tuna Boot. God, I can hardly hear you over the crowd there. I'm sorry about that. They're very enthusiastic. They're very keen to hear everything you have to say, Liam. Yeah, I mean, like, look at all these people that are here to just listen to me. Honestly, it's incredible. I think we, I know we usually say this to the end, but I think we have a question from the audience. Yes, you, sir. Someone pass him the mic. Thanks, Charles. Hi. Hi. Hello, hi. what's your name? Hi, it's uh, Peter. Peter, hello. Have you got a question for for Liam? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, what is your favourite boot to put a sock on? Oh. Now, I've actually been thinking about this a lot recently, after, you know, Footgate. But I think that I'm going to have to go for the left foot. Controversial, I know, but the left foot's always like you 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 read from left to right. So why would you not put your socks on left to right? You know what I'm saying? Interest that. Thank thank you. Uh, do do you guys mind if I um if I uh, advertise my product? No, not at all. We encourage every single spontaneous and sporadic uh, advertisement opportunity we can get. I Please am, tell us more, Peter. I'm here from Peter's pink salt lamps <laughs> and I'd like to advertise my pink salt lamp if you what, if, the f- if, what the fuck is a pink salt lamp well do you have a lamp in your room something that's not yes. the big light but it's a little lamp that like you can read or you can you know do is your... this different to a candle it is different to a candle it's a lamp yes I have that yeah so my pink salt lamps Peter Peter's pink salt lamps that's me <laughs> we have our pink salt lamps and they not only light up your room they give you a nice relaxed light and with the added bonus that the pink salt purifies the air in your room have you ever sat in your room with your lamp on and thought oh this air's not pure enough I'll throw it over to Liam I have sat in my room and thought you know what it's not pure enough Exactly. It's really, it's now, really not. With my pink salt lamps, the air will be pure enough. That's a guarantee. 
from Peter's pink salt lamps. Thanks, right, for, so thank, you, thanks just, for having I've, me. I've got a question for Peter. No, I'm gone um, now. Thank you. No, no, no. I've got a question for Peter. Does it taste of salt? I'll check. He's just licking the lamp for us, ladies and gentlemen. Yay! It, it does. Yep. It tastes yep. of salt? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, does it, does, it, does it taste at all like lamp? Y- well, no. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. Peter, I'm I'm astounded by your your um, invention. Did you invent it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm astounded by your invention. That is that is phenomenal, and I love the fact that it purifies everything, and I love the fact that it tastes of salt, but it doesn't taste of lamp, and for that reason, I'm out. Well, well, thank you very much, Peter. That was simultaneously better and worse than I expected it to be. Thank you very much for joining us. So, uh, am I going to speak at this volume for the rest of the interview? No, no, that's good. You're good. Right, we did it. That was alright though. That uh-huh. was that was okay. <laughs> so in all in all earnest, people uh, listening, like and subscribe if you don't, you're a cunt. And this week we are going through <laughs> Liam's musical history. I'm game to keep Jim on the like and subscribe. By the way, uh, your 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 approach, your kind and polite approach, just hasn't been hasn't been cutting the mustard, and it's not <laughs> to snuff. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been thirty three episodes, and mm. we've barely got 33 likes so you know there's something i do understand why it's because you know people well, most people a lot, of people a lot more people than we expected to be fair are listening to it but it's like you know listen to it and then i start i mean i don't go on to the facebook pages or the instagram pages of any of the podcasts i listen to and like them i've never done it once so i totally understand yeah but the ones i listen to aside from a few that my friends do you know, are already established, so I don't have to. Yeah. But we are not, so fucking do it. <laughs> or the first knock at your door after lockdown is going to be me. <laughs> He's going to punt your face in with a salt lamp. It's going to be legendary. Yeah, Peter, salt and, lamps purifies everything. And points to Liam for not saying assault lamps, because I, I assumed he was going to. <laughs> I, 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 Jim, Jim. <laughs> I would never be so crass. <laughs> pepper lamps, though. <laughs> pepper, you've been pepper lamped. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Just have a spray of just batter. <laughs> that's funny. So I think we'll just dive into it, shall we? So, yeah. Liam, can I just sorry ahead. before we start? Can I just say I actually did link lick my salt lamp, and it does mm-hmm. taste of salt. It's actually just a salt rock that's got. Yeah, a lamp yeah, in yeah. It. It's just a rock of salt. It really did taste salty. You reckon you could scrape it off into your food? Yeah. Do I try it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Updates to follow next week, but we can confirm we did lick it. We saw it. On the computer. That was a Simpsons joke, Jim. That, that was good. That was something I could see on the Simpsons. <laughs> we're, do- we're doing very well and I'm kind of scared, so let's just not worry about it and crack on. So, as we say, we're going through your musical history. We've already had Dougal's, which was enlightening and very pleasant. And I'm hoping this is going to be pleasanter and enlightening-er. Wouldn't expect it. No? Okay, let's do it then. <laughs> so, Liam, growing yes, up Jim. in a fam. <clears throat> don't ever 
So Liam. Yes, Jim. <laughs> I'm going to start now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Liam. Yes, Jim. Thank you. Growing up in a family of music lovers, how yep. did that influence your music appreciation? And what are your earliest music memories? Well, on the one side, you've got my dad, who, from uh, from my earliest memories of my dad's music, was very uh, glam rock-esque. And you know what? A- anywhere from glam rock through to heavy rock to alt-rock to middle-earth, a little callback there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got my... Oh, yeah, also my dad likes Banamarama. Nope. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what, what, what was nope about that? Banana Rama. Banana Rama. Yeah, you said banana Rama. <laughs> banana Rama. <Banana-nama. laughs> <laughs> that's why we're friends. <laughs> chin chin, cheers, man. Um, and then on the other side, you've got Mum, who was very, very big in her punk, loves Green Day, Skids, Clash, but also loves uh, George Michael, David Bowie, Foo Fighters. I think most of my music kind of listening experience probably does come from my mum's but my dad's has a very very special place in my heart I love dad rock especially I've been driving about with uh, an Aerosmith greatest hits CD recently which also by the way is my dad's I stole it (laughs) the CD not the car (laughs) yes (laughs) but yeah I think yeah I think they've been very very heavily influential in my music taste um, earliest music memories I definitely I've got a few right so I, I, we spoke I asked Dougal in his music history episode about kind of like party anthems and stuff and I can't remember any of my own for some reason I had to think about it but I can remember my brothers very vividly vividly, which was oh what's that called oh, all these things that I've done by the killers and I remember everyone marching round in almost like a conga line, but not a conga line, just marching in, uh, behind each other, singing, I got soul, but I'm mm. not a soldier, uh, which was a brilliant moment. Uh, and I don't know why that's one that stuck in my head, but I love it. It was good. But I think the main part of my memories from when I was younger was when my dad was working away, me and my mum and my brother would sit and just watch Kerrang! Uh, music channel all day. And we'd sit there with uh, little pillows and chopsticks and drum along to everything. Which, looking back, if I'm allowed to say, I think it's very cute. Uh, it's a cute thing to do. It's fucking adorable, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be stuff like, you know, like Foo Fighters and Metallica sometimes as well. Mom, like, my mum's got a very love-hate relationship with Metallica. I don't know why I'm talking about mom's music taste, but anyway. But she thinks they're all very, very classically trained uh, and they're very, very good at what they do, but she's not like your biggest fan. But I think Metallica might be up there with one of my favourites. If... Sorry, I'm just having some realisations now. We'll get into more realisations later. This episode is going to be very sporadic, by the way. Yeah, what else do you want to know, Jim? Gimme, gimme. Any songs or albums from your primary school days that you still know every word to now? Primary school? Oh, you can you can take it into early. I'll just say whatever you want, really. But you can take it into early secondary <laughs> school. If yeah, there's a better answer. Yeah, secondary school is definitely surprisingly quite a large amount 
I was recently listening to Songs About Jane, the Maroon 5 album. I know that pretty much back-to-back, cover-to-cover. Some missed lyrics here and there. Any kind of like my, any of my emo phase kind of stuff. I say emo. I was like the least emo emo. But like Fall Out Boy, My Chem, any of that kind of era of music, I could probably go for song by song. Um, so what age are we? What age are we talking? When that's probably in the about thirteen, fourteen. I think about fourteen actually. You should see my hair from back in the day. Oof. Mm. What we're talking? Right. Okay. So see my hair like right now, where it's all like kind of like poofy and like big. Right. Mm-hmm. That but straightened. Oof. I used to straighten my hair before I got to school. Oh, I got called straighteners for about a year. Straighteners. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. <laughs> right, so I'm trying. I'm trying to build up a, a sort of a somewhat as clear as we can mental image of your early years of music because I know yeah. that there's a lot going on. It's hard to just it's hard to talk about all of it. Cause you could just talk about it yeah. for days on end. But if you could give us a rough picture between, say, leaving secondary school to the end of high school, leaving primary sorry to the end of high school, what we're talking. Right. Okay. So. Primary school to high school. We'll go from the start of primary school to high school. That was that was Foo Fighters, Green Day, all that kind of stuff. My mum ingrained good music into me from an early age. Uh, I didn't listen to chart stuff at all. Mm-hmm. Then went through my emo phase. Uh, also the Tenacious D phase, which was where every single car journey was Tenacious D songs getting played. My pals in the back of the seat, uh, the back seat, just singing along to Tenacious D. It was ace. Jack Black is amazing. Then I kind of got a little bit more indie when I started going to Rockness. Well, the two years that I went to Rockness. Started listening to Bombay Bicycle Club, never got into them properly, uh, and then missed the chance to see them. And then, But Ben Howard became quite a big thing. But then I also started listening to Tyler the Creator, which was a far cry from anything else. That's, yeah, all the way back in those days. I can't see Dougal's face right now because uh, you're on the screen, Jim. Well, you can't see both of us at the same time. No, it's got the. It's you got need the to switch to gallery view, mate. How'd I do that? Right, carry on. What but saying? yeah, so Ben Howard, Frank Turner was a big stage as well. I found I found him totally by accident when I saw him live. So I went to see Green Day down at Wembley. And it was Green Day, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts and Frank Turner, who I'd never heard of. Nice. I stood for nine hours without pissing. It was mental. Not nice. But yeah, he, he was phenomenal. And he kind of changed my perception of music a wee bit as well because it wasn't what I would normally listen to. I think that was just after I was coming out of the kind of like emo in quotation marks phase. Well, how long has he been going? Because Liam, you're only a year and a half younger than me. Yeah. And you're the same age as Dougal. Mm-hmm. But it feels like there's a chasm within that time. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which can't be possible. But you're talking about him in, in like Frank Turner in high school terms. Although I, I, I'm late to every party that there is. <laughs> so I probably just got into it later. And he'd only yeah. had like four or five albums or whatever. Frank, Yeah, Frank Turner's been around for a while. Like, Yeah. I think I'm thinking of somebody else. It was that song Photosynthesis that really got me though. Mm-hmm. Like... Because that was that was a big crowd, mo- one of those big crowd moments. That was very, really, very, very cool. 
really enjoyed that. Second year, I think it was I think it was running parallel with my emo phase. I also got into hardstyle a wee bit. What's that? Like there. That kind of music. That sounds. I, I, that doesn't really give me an indication. Uh, okay, Skrillex, but faster. Yeah. English, Liam. <laughs> oh, also, it's, Skrillex was a that, that I listened to Skrillex throughout. That's how I found. Uh, we talked about this before, but that's how I found out uh, Twin Atlantic. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I see what you mean now. Okay. Yeah, I've only heard that one song that we had up on the mm. the thing. Yeah, I got a bit into like kind of like hardstyle and techno, which was weird. Looking back, right, very cool. odd. Yeah, well, if you, if you what keep going with the high school stuff, or I can ask you the next question. It's up to you. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm not good at this one. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, well, there's so, so much to say. Then, probably about age 15, 16, I discovered Biffy Clyro. Total guy accident through a compilation CD. Could not tell you what it was. I think it was a compilation CD that my pal had on his phone and he Bluetoothed a Biffy Clyro song to me, which was mm. Folding Stars which still remains one of my top Biffy tracks. A very, very good heartfelt piece. Have I put that up before? I don't know. Uh, it was a song that Simon Neal wrote um, for his mum after she passed away. He showed it to us, but he never mm. put it up on there. Um, and that was that was that that led me to my discovery of Biffy Clyro. And then a few of my pals also discovered them. And we were like a little group that would just sit and listen to Biffy all the time. We went through all their albums. It was good. I think I think that was just round about when Only Revolutions was coming out, because uh, a guy that I knew at school actually had two tickets for it. And he was just like, "Oh, my my pal can't come with me. Do you want to come with me? I've got a spare ticket if you're wanting." You just put a hat on your head, Dougal. Yeah, I, I find a little thing on Zoom that I can put little hats and shit onto my head. Sorry, your chat is interesting. I just I was walking about. <laughs> Because I was thinking this is going to like kick us out soon, basically. So I was trying to figure out how soon it was kicking us out. And I it's went not, it's on not to come up for 10 minutes yet. I know, yeah, but I was like, we've been on it for like 40 minutes. So I was figuring it out and I just I wandered on to something. Sorry. Sorry? Sorry, man. <laughs> uh, carry on. I, I enjoyed... I, I'm enjoying what you're saying so far. Please. <laughs> Um, I don't know where I got up to there. Just but go yeah, from Biffy. No. But yeah, so Biffy happened. I'm more underprepared than I thought. I've got, I've got stuff written down, but yeah. Yeah, that kind of brings me up to the end of high school. The, the late high school years were more me going to festivals and discovering new music. When I went to Rockness the first time, which must have been fifth year, uh, that's also when I discovered Mystery Jets because I had an incredible first day at my first festival that I went to by myself because I first of all I was steaming, uh, which I didn't get to do <laughs> that often without having to go back to my mum and dad's. But I think it was twelve o'clock midday. I ran down to the front of the the main stage, and it was starting off with a band called Admiral Fowl, which oh. I'd been told were kind of like the Mumford and Sons of Scotland which uh, there's there's some similarities but uh, they're they're a very very good band on their own hmm. uh, i actually saw them recently as well like, a couple of years ago which was quite a nice like oh i saw these guys when i was fucking in high school but yeah so it went from admiral fowl into could have been mr jets right after them actually 
because it was Mr. Jets and then the drums, who I also discovered on that day, and I'm a big fan of them. I think I put one of their songs up, maybe. I don't know. And then after that, there was someone else that I can never remember who was there, but then it was Noah and the Whale. One of the and best then after bands Noah... in the world. <laughs> I know you're a big fan. And then there was someone else again, I've forgotten who it was, but then it was Mumford and Sons. And that entire day, I enjoyed every single band that was on stage. I was with no one that I'd come to the festival with. It was just me with some randomers. And it was just phenomenal. It was also the day that I discovered that I didn't like Malibu when the girl next to me saw that I was thirsty and they hadn't started handing out free water yet. So she gave me a drink of her bottle, which I took a big gulp of, and it was warm Malibu. Jesus. Man, you were absolutely right, by the way. It was Admiral Fallow, Mystery Jets, The Drums, No and the Whale, and then Mumford and Sons. Oh, there was no extra people. Bang on. Ace. Fucking nailed it. Dead Mouse (laughs) Mouse headlined the um, Saturday and then Biffy were headlining the Sundays. It was a fucking cracking year. Fucking Cassidy played on the Sunday. Nah. They were fourth and... Oh, that's quite cool. Sorry. (laughs) Carry on. Well, well, that leads us very nicely on to the next question, which is favourite live shows and favourite live song. Right. I've got some here for you. So, I've already re- uh, mentioned Rockness those two times that I went before it closed. Phenomenal. Uh, it probably opened up my musical experience quite a bit. Going to Benny as well with Dougal's fam. I don't know why I'm abbreviating everything, but that was also, I also loved that every moment of it. Actual gigs that are for the bands, like the actual bands, gigs, not festivals. You know what I'm trying to say. I've got a few that I would list as up there when I top. Any Biffy Clyro one, obviously. Uh, that could be any of the between 15 and 20 that I have seen. Definitely in double digits. Don't think I'm in the 20s just yet, though. Uh, but yeah, any Biffy Clyro one. Or Connor Obrist, who I saw in the O2... ABC in Glasgow I think it was just about a year before it burned down I remember that's that's probably the first gig that I've gone to in my adult life that I was just like you know what I'm content just to sit near the back watch and play drink a beer and just enjoy the music experience rather than jumping into the middle and getting battered about for a few hours he played Something Vague which is a, an early early song uh, that I didn't know that he was going to play live and I was very steaming and I burst into tears standing mm. behind my mum and she turned around and she just like, are you crying? <laughs> and I was just like, no, oh no, it's fine. <laughs> that was a great moment. He also, their support that, that gig was uh, Big Thief, oh. which is how I got into Big Thief. Uh, she um, she came on to sing with Conor Alvarez during the Bright Eyes songs that were uh, duets which was unreal and then I went to go buy one of their their vinyls which I think that's is that how you got into them Dougal when I played them vinyl kind of yeah I Mm. knew them from a a play that I went to see Mm. where it was like it was um, the Leith Village Theatre or something like that Leith Pub Village Theatre and they did like wee shows in pubs and we went to see them and there was like this post-apocalyptic show they were doing so it was like five minute segments in different parts of a bar 
and then at the end all the segments like you'd go through groups and different so you'd go one group would start in one part and one group would start in another and you'd all have different experiences and it was really interesting and then at the end you'd all go to the middle and they played uh, shark smile Oh, and nice. you'd all come into the middle and they'd all do a we danced it um, <laughs> and then it wasn't until I came to yours that I realised who had played that song uh-huh. and listened to the rest of that album and got into them so yeah definitely I'd heard them before but you were the reason I got into them well that vinyl I bought from their merch stand at that gig at the mm-hmm. Conor Obers gig uh, and I bought it from her mum hmm. yeah I was standing there and I was just like I was asking, uh, I was standing, I was looking at the two vinyls and you had the first album, the second album, the second album was a gold vinyl uh, and I was just like, what album would you recommend? I don't really know them that well and uh, the woman behind the merch stand was just like, well personally I'd probably go for the second album because it's my favourite and also it's a gold vinyl but the first album is also very very good if you want to get into them but I mean I'm going to say that anyway because I'm her mum. <laughs> and I was just like no fucking way and it wasn't until recently that I was just like that's fucking mad that that happened <laughs> that's really fucking cool <laughs> that's such a Liam story isn't it <laughs> yeah, it is a typically Liam story mm. so yeah that that's that's always going to be a special gig to me two door seminar club last year with uh, Louise which was our first gig together uh, we'd had it booked for almost a year half a year before that which weren't going out at the time when we booked it and I'm surprised that we lasted at the time I was surprised that we'd lasted long enough to go to the gig together but it was just all, all round a good fun night it was a perfect first gig because there was there was enough songs that were played from their old stuff because neither of us really have listened to mm. any of their new stuff but there was enough from the first two albums that we were just like this is fucking amazing Like this is, this is brilliant what a way to spend our night together but yeah, so that that was that was awesome. Then you've got the first gig that I went to without my mum and dad, even though they were still there, which was Paramore. They they'd driven me down there, but I was allowed to go into the standing area by myself. I think I was like fifteen at the time. <laughs> uh, so that was good. So I met up with my mates, and we all went and like danced to Paramore. And you know what? Actually, one of that I remember, it was just special. Was uh, first time I went to see My Chemical Romance, and it was just me, my mum, and my dad sitting watching I wasn't even standing uh, but it was fucking phenomenal and I, I think I was about 13 at the time maybe 12-13 but then you've got my two top gigs I think second to top because it will never beat the top one but second to top is my first ever gig which was The Darkness and I don't know if I spoke about this on the podcast before I think I have but I was 10 and we'd sing The Darkness Justin Hawkins came flying into the arena in a massive pair of tits which I just recently found out he had cocaine in the tits so that he could take cocaine on stage that is the dream yeah, yeah. Uh, I was 10 <laughs> <laughs> I saw the tits filled with cocaine were great at 10 <laughs> <laughs> never not known that so <laughs> I've tried to find videos and pictures of the tits but there's nothing online there's like a very very shaky dark video that you can kind of see the outline but there's lots of articles about it so if you if you want to research it there is stuff there it's good fun but yeah my all-time top gig ever has to be when i went to see foo fighters with mum dad when i was 11 at hyde park 
and the day began with Angels and Airways, which we actually missed by the time we got into the grounds, and followed up by Angels and Airways were Queens of Stone Age, which was fucking cool. We had Golden Circle tickets, but didn't realise that we had to go down to the Golden Circle to get into it. We were just standing in the, the, the povy bit. And then after Queens of Stone Age finished, we were just like, oh shit, we can move forward. Move forward, and on comes Motorhead, which was pretty fucking cool. Nice, nice. Uh, none of the crowd knew any Motorhead lyrics apart from Ace of Spades, but it's all right because you can sing Ace of Spades to any Motorhead song, and it fits. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Then, who's after Motorhead? Oh, yeah. Motorhead went straight into Foo Fighters, which, phenomenal. Always phenomenal. And they that that, that was mental, because it was the band that we'd played the chopsticks on the pillows to so many times. Guys, come on. Foo Fighters gig. Right, ready? Because the show was not over. Foo Fighters came on. Lemmy came on to sing a song with them. And then... Lemmy from Motorhead, by the way. Came back on stage. And then their special guests arrived. Which were two members of Queen. The bassist and the drummer? Brian May was there. So not them. So the bassist and the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so the guitar. Was Brian May showed up. That's cool. Brian May showed up. And I think it was a drummer as well. Which for the wife of me, cannot remember his name. But they played Tie Your Mother Down. Which I'm fairly certain Taylor Hawkins sang the lyrics to. But yeah, that was, that was, that was mental. And then they also... Oh, it was just it was, it was a phenomenal gig. But yeah, in the same day, Angels and Airways that we missed, Queens of Stone Age, Motorhead, Foo Fighters, and then Foo Fighters with Queen. Uh, and I, if you if you watch the DVD recording of Foo Fighters at Hyde Park uh, that year, um, you can actually see me on my dad's shoulders with my little hat on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try and get a screen grab for that and put it up on the on the social media, which no one will yeah. like. <laughs> I've actually I've got a, a very very bad picture with Chris from Foo Fighters from another time that I saw them in Aberdeen, I think it was. Uh, and there's two there's two photos, one of which Chris is out of focus, and the other of which I'm out of focus. So I'll cover though. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that that that's my all time favorite gig. All-time favourite live song, you ask? I did. <laughs> I will go from bottom to top. Okay. I've got, I've got four here. So, at the bottom, you've got Dream On by uh, Aerosmith, which the live version is my favourite song. Uh, one of my favourite live songs ever. I've put it up for the podcast before. Never seen it live, but I experienced what I assume would be what I want it to be at the gig when uh, we went to... Florida Disneyland for Christmas New Year one night, uh, one one year, and for the bells for for the changing of the year, they played "Dream On" by Aerosmith across the entire Disney park. I'm sorry, sorry, Liam. Is this your list of your favorite live songs? Yeah, and you're starting it off with a song you've never seen live. Absolutely, I love okay. the live version. No, just just I, I was just checking. Carry on got close i got i was confused as well but it is his it's his little thing above that is everyone by foo fighters uh which i've seen countless times 
and I've seen many different live versions. I've seen the acoustic one. I've seen two different live versions. I've seen the acoustic one. I've seen the the full on rock one. <laughs> so not that countless then, really. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen counted versions. Um, <laughs> above that would be Two Steps Twice by Foles, which is just an absolute banger, and it's something. It's just something different when you hear the album version to when you hear the live version it's just got so much more pizzazz and then above that is Different People by Foo, uh, by Foo Fighters by sorry above that is Different People by Biffy Quiro which is my all time favourite live song uh, I actually have a tattoo that I want pla- uh, that I want to get which is some of the lyrics uh, I'm going home forever and ever more written on this arm my right arm because whenever that song plays at that point, my hand is up in the air. And just appreciation for how fucking class a moment that is. And uh, yeah, it's just amazing. Is that list of, is that the, the list? Live songs, favourite ones, yeah. Alright, okay. I was assuming 10 in my head, which is why I thought, these, these are all a bit low. I've, I can't imagine what's <laughs> coming after them. Alright, fair play. Um, Alright, uh, maybe you have to do these a bit quicker, perhaps. Yep. Um, but take your time. It's doable, it's editing. Yeah. But, you know, take your time, but hurry up about it. Have you had any realisations about the music you listen to? Oh, Jim, what a professional way to ask that question. Exactly. Yes, I have some. Me to ask it. <laughs> yes, I have had some realisations. This is the fun bit. <laughs> so, first realisation that I had recently was that I think that my favourite stage of Paramore is the After Laughter album, which, controversially... It's technically not full Paramore. I don't know, Jim. Have you listened to Paramore much? No. <laughs> cool. Do go Paramore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you know the After Laughter album? I know the After Laughter album. Yeah, I think I was I was watching the uh, the video for Hard Times, and the video is so well done. That song's an absolute bop, and I think that they reached. Or they they have reached their maximum cool with that album. Like I love the old kind of emo kind of like, like oh fuck everything kind of power and uh, like riots one of the best albums ever. But I think after laughter is just totally new direction, totally much better. Second realization that I've had Maroon Five. I actually meant to get you guys to listen to a song before we started recording so you could hear how horrendous this is. Maroon 5's Songs About Jane album. Again, one of my earliest kind of memories. But I used to think that was edgy and cool and that I was edgy and cool for listening to it. And after listening back to it the other day, I realised that it's not in the slightest. It's not edgy. It's not cool. It's cheese (laughs) at its heart. Uh... (laughs) Why do and you think like, it was edgy and cool? It's Wayne yourself, essentially, for that one. Right, I'll... Give me a second. You didn't have to open the box, Dougal. You could have let him just talk about the box. You wouldn't have to open it. He's opened it now. It's, it's happening. Yeah, this is the... Look, there's so little content of this that I'm going to actually keep in, so I need to try and get there some, <laughs> with some of them. I'm, well, I'm conversely just trying to think about your edit. We're keeping up to an hour now, so I don't want to try and... That's mm. fine. The other one, I'm well prepared for Liam's music history. If we can get this done in an hour and a half, I am chuffed. <laughs> Alright, well, we've got a bit of time. What, right. you want to listen to this song just now? Just, just, just listen to like the first like 20 seconds of it. 
Right, well, or when we've got 30 seconds. But anyway, yeah, this is what I thought was edgy and cool. What song? Which song? Shiver by... Shiver, okay. Yeah. Right, we're going to listen to this now. Dougal, you good? He's pissed. He's just been a bad boy now. <laughs> just rocking out. Rocking out to Maroon 5. Dougal, give us a heads up when you're done. I can just mute him. There you go, he's muted. <laughs> <laughs> he'll join in when he's ready <laughs> uh, did you get to hear it a wee bit there I, only for a brief second because Diggle kept because right, we, well, we, we need Diggle's we need Diggle's verdict on it then Diggle yeah <laughs> so what, thoughts hey, on what sorry Shiver by Maroon 5 yeah, yeah. listen to Eves mate good song I love this. I've I've listened to this album. This album is one of my youth albums as well that I never spoke about during my mm. music history. It's a good album, isn't it? Yeah, it's sort of. It's it's very. It, I mean, it was Maroon Five sort of breaking onto the scene, and mm. you've got their you know their biggies in between their wees, if you like. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I like that sort of. It's not. It's nothing special. Don't get me wrong. It's a sort of standard pop rock track. Is it edgy and cool? Well, it depends, Liam. If you're maybe younger, yes. And if you're maybe older, maybe no. not. <laughs> well, he's definitely drunk now. Yeah. <laughs> cool, we can move on. I love it. It's, it's, it's very cheese, though. The next realisation that I had is... <laughs> it's actually two to do with the same album. The first one is... MGMT's Congratulation album. This is a recent, uh, recent um, realization. They've got some hallow- uh, They've got some tracks on the album that sound spooky and Halloweenish. I don't know why, but I love it. That's that's the entire point I was going to make. the the se- The second realization I had about this album, and my final realization that I'm going to read out now, is "Flash Delirium" by MGMT is my perfect song. And I said this to Louise, and she was just like, "What?" Uh, what do you mean by that? And my reply was, of course I can't write my own music because I'm terrible at writing music, but if I could pay someone to write my perfect song, MGMT's Flash Delirium would be it. Hands down. Make a wee note of that, toss into it. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just got everything in that I want in it. Yeah, love it. Probably my top track in the moment as well. Alright, well... Thank you for your music realizations. Favorite bands of all time? Oh, obviously, Biffy, Mike M, Cage the Elephant, early Foo Fighters. I'm not a big fan of the album albums after Wasting Light. Is there more than one? Yeah. Yeah, there's like two or three now. Yeah. Or though, but... did you listen to what's it called? Give me a second. There's, there's one the one that they did the documentaries alongside, and that I that was Sonic mm, Youth. That Sonic Youth, something like that. Yeah, wasn't a fan of the music as much. However, the documentaries themselves were amazing. They basically, they went round uh, lots of recording, like famous recording studios, and recorded yeah. tracks that incorporated elements of the music that was big from these recording studios, which I thought was a phenomenal idea. Yeah, but listenability for me wasn't there I mean Wasting Light was a good album Wasting Light was a uh, ace album Echo Silence Patience and Grace everything before that as well 
What was one of the more recent ones? Color in the Sonic shape Highways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sonic Highways, yeah. That was it. Concrete and Gold. That was their 2017 oh, yeah. one. That's a fucking good album. Is it? Yeah, I Maybe really I enjoyed give, it. Go back and give it a listen. Because uh, what Wasting Light was 2011, and then they had Sonic Highways, and then Concrete and Gold was their newest one, which is three mm. years ago now. But fucking, aye, that's a good album. Maybe I need to give it another chance now. Yeah, MGMT have slowly crept up into my favourite bands. Oh, Queen. And also Frank Sinatra. I've not mentioned Frank Sinatra yet, but I got very, very big into my crooners at one point. I'll have a bit of Dean Martin that as well. Uh, but Frank Sinatra is one of my all-time favourites. Also, two-thirds of my three karaoke songs that I can do are Frank Sinatra. So just before we do the Baron Landmass CD, okay. right, well, so just one other question for me. How do you curate new music to listen to for example you know how do you discover and catalogue new tunes do you have a system and if so what is it so it's kind of changed over recent years with the introduction of Spotify yeah uh, so now like, but back in the day it would be like watching Kerrang or watching other music channels and that but I don't have access to Sky now so it's slightly more difficult to do that but since I've moved over to Spotify, I've found that there's two ways that I do it. There's either the going straight on to Discover Weekly and just kind of looking through it and see if there's anything that kind of like perks my ears up. Or sometimes I just go into a hole and just listen to tracks and then I go on just like suggested artists and all that. And I'll just go through them and I won't listen to them properly. But if there's something that I kind of like the sound of, I'll give it a like, which then puts it into my liked songs playlist mm. which is just all my songs that I've ever liked on Spotify and just occasionally I'll just sit and I'll just chuck that on and put it on shuffle and sometimes it'll just be the usual like Biffy and Declan McKenna and all that and then sometimes it'll just switch on to a song that I have no idea how it got in there don't remember what the context was or when I was listening to it and then I'm just like oh that's very very good why have I not listened to these guys again? That's basically it. There, there is also there was a stage where I was just booking tickets to random gigs that I didn't really know who it was, but there were cheap tickets, and I would just go and like see lots of new, new live music live, mm-hmm. which is always very very fun. But I can't afford that, and also there's no shows on now. No, I mean you come. To, I mean, if you think about it, before you know the pre-digital age, you had to either hear it on the radio. Mm. Or have gone to see it live, or buy it randomly in a record shop. Yeah, like those were your three. Outlets. It is weird to think of it sort of reversed, and I like the idea of just going to see random bands. Hmm. I like that because if it's shit, you can just leave. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I never, I never really did that. It was, it was always really good. Like, there's actually, there's a couple that I've seen when I was there, uh, like a good few years ago now, that are now getting bigger like Catholic Action and stuff like that and it was just all these like kind of random wee bands that I'd be like my mate would be like oh do you want to come see this for me tonight and I was like yeah fuck it it's a tenor might as well uh, and I'd go and I'd really enjoy myself I've got a vinyl from a band called Death Cats and I've no fucking clue what they're doing now but I also had a broken drumstick that I asked the drummer for after the gig even though I had never heard them before that gig and you know what I don't think I've listened to that vinyl since I got it. Hmm. 
Maybe I'll give them a listen soon. Maybe. See what I remember. See if they were good. All right. So the only thing left to do is for you to talk us through your Baron Landmark CD. Yeah, it is five, isn't it? Eight. Eight. <sighs> okay, I'm. But slightly I think we, did we not bump it up to ten? Or did we stick? Nah, with eight? we did. We stuck with eight. Eight. Right. Okay, you get eight. Yeah, cool. based uh, on right. nothing other than our own ideals, obviously. No copyright. Who, who, who else has ever thought of asking anyone to list eight tracks that mean the most to them? That they would listen to on a barren landmass. On a CD? No one. No one. <laughs> ever. You're right about that, Dougal. So, this is in no particular order. Should I have an order? No. No. Good. For the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> So, yeah, Different People uh, by Biffy Quiro. I know I said Foo Fighters again there, I don't know why. That's always going to be in my top songs for the reasons that I described earlier. So, next up we have American Idiot by Green Day, which was the first album that I, I ever bought on CD myself with my own money. And going back to it after years and years of listening to it, like now, like it's still it's still a fucking banger. Like, that's one of those undeniable tracks which is weird because like when you think of undeniable tracks you think of like Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin and like all that kind of shit but American Idiot by Green Day will live on I'm with you on that by the way yeah. 100% it's a stellar album it really is it's... fucking good mm. yeah it's, I had my wee Green Day patch it's an interesting one because it's a very fucking good album but mm-hmm. arguably one of the worst Green Day albums at the same time it's very strange <laughs> it is, it's well that the fact that it was written as a rock opera mm. like uh, the mm. fact that it was written as a rock opera is just mental I think you two should do a whole episode on it well, well we, we just might as well. <laughs> no I don't know enough about it just like used it because I, I want the knowledge but I can't take part what's your sorry. next track you <laughs> massive floppy cunt <laughs> <laughs> for no reason other than just being weird <laughs> massive floppy cunt no reason um, to say that I've changed my name to fit in with you guys by the way yeah good Boil. Boil. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, by the way, before we move on from American Idiot, I'd like to point out that uh, I went to see the American Idiot musical last year, I think, maybe the year before, and I thought it was going to be atrocious, just cramming an entire Green Day's worth of, uh, Green Day album's worth of songs into a musical and writing a story around it. Awesome. It was really, really fucking good. They even wrote a, another couple of songs to put in it as well. Some new content. The first half, nothing really happened. The second half, everything happened. It was ace. It's just how you want a musical to go. Nothing in the first bit, everything in the last bit. Next song, All My Life by Foo Fighters. We'll keep it in the same vein than now, my early years. Uh, All My Life is the couch fucking pillow chopstick song that I remember the most. Hmm. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's really sweet. That's cool. Mm. It is. It is just uh, that. That's the one because like, oh, it's that bit. It's just like, oh my life, baby. and it just goes fucking mental. All the right lights go red. Oh, it's so good. And yeah, I have to have Foo Fighters in there. I, I've been thinking about this recently because Foo Fighters were like one of my like favorite bands growing up. 
and then I just stopped listening to them for years. I did exactly the fucking same, by the way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, now, I'm not meant to interrupt. That's all good. Now, now that I'm revisiting them, though, I'm just rediscovering their greatness and why I loved them so much when I was younger. After that, I'm going to have to go with My Melancholy Blues by Queen, which is the last track on their New the World album, which is a nice wee soul piano number by Freddie Mercury. Mm. Mm. And mm. would never have predicted that. So I don't know why I've stick to high pitch. <laughs> would never have predicted that. Yeah. That's beautiful. Uh, okay. News of the Worlds is definitely it's it's up there. It's just below my top ten of like uh favourite albums ever. Because some of the stuff on it is fucking weird. We're gonna have to There's... do we're all gonna have to do our own top ten albums, by the way, as well, at some point. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, it's some of that album's fucking weird, and then you have stuff like We Are the Champions and all that, which is just awesome, classic queen. But then my Mel- Melancholy Blues, which I didn't here until I bought the vinyl from a second hand store the first time I listened to it and I was just like where the fuck is this, this has never been on any of the Queen's Greatest Hits album or anything like that I've never seen this, heard this and it's just it's impressive, I love it so much what we got, we've got I'm Going Home by Tim Curry from the Rocky Horror Picture Show because Rocky Horror Picture Show is and I've decided this over the last few days is my favourite film of all time. I don't think anything's going to beat that. And the soundtrack's amazing. There's so many songs on it that I just love. But just the heartfelt of that last bit, after they've had like the mad wild kind of party where Frank Furter's in charge and then uh, Riff Raff and Magenta, I think her name is, come in and they're just like, right, we're going to kill you now. But he doesn't know that yet. He's just holding the gun up and Tim Curry just does this whole beautiful piece where he's just talking about all the kind of like mistakes that he's made and how he's just wanting to do everything that's going to like, that's going to make him like the hero. Uh, but he's just ready to go home now because he's had, an, uh, like he's done his bit. Um, gets me every single time. Mm-hmm. Every single time. Beautiful. Uh, so yeah, so... Favourite album, one of my favourite songs. Amazing. Favourite album? Sorry, favourite movie. Right, Black Parade by My Chemical Romance, which I've described in the past as, because I think I saw this on like a Facebook post or something, but I totally agree with it, is Welcome to the Black Parade is our generation's Bohemian Rhapsody. Thoughts on that, guys? We don't have enough time to get into that, mate. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> but yeah... Yeah, it's got that. Um, no. Kind no. Tsunami. Said all my life. Said American Idiot. Said my melancholy blues. Said I'm going home. Said different people. Said Black Parade. You did. guys didn't have much to say about that, but I do think that it is our Bohemian Rhapsody and no one can change my mind. All You Pretty Things by David Bowie. Fucking tune. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got us back on board. <laughs> the first time I heard that song was when Jillian showed us the live recording video from the old Grave Whistle test, I think. 
Is that is that what the music program was called? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in college, when they were showing us how to do multi cams, and then so she showed us the live version of "Oh You Pretty Things." Just stuck me from that moment. It's an absolute fucking banging song. It's Bowie. He's fucking amazing. So that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, last one. One of the more recent ones. LVE by Nat King Cole, which is actually one of Louise's favourite songs, but has now become one of our favourite songs. She loves it so much because it was in uh, the Parent Trap soundtrack, which is one of her favourite films. And she always said that when she met the person that also loved that song, that was it. Cute, yeah. Very. She's she's planning to sing it at her wedding, so that's that's going to be a thing. Uh, I'll be singing it as well. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a fucking phenomenal song. Uh, I managed to get the vinyl for Louise's Christmas off of eBay, which has only been pressed the once in the sixties, I think. So it's a very very special record, and the entire that that entire album is fucking phenomenal, by the way. And that would probably be my recommendation for the week would be the LVE album by Nat King Cole. Some very very good jazzy swing stuff in there. Nice, that's a nice that's a good recommendation for the week, man. It's really good. And if you had to pick just one of those songs, which one would you pick? I catch it. Yeah, okay, so you know what? LVE, 100%. However, Black Parade is going to be my funeral song. That's a song that's getting played for everyone leaving, and it's going to be fucking ace. Well, the grief won't hit us hard enough to derail our enjoyment of that song, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> something to look forward to. I can't wait. I've, I've got, what I'm going to do as well is. Something to look forward I'm gonna get At like a. I'm gonna get like a to spring. And we'll tell him how he was wrong about it being the next Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> from Beyond the Grave. And that's one of the right? worst things you've ever said, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what I... would you say is our version of Bohemian Rhapsody, the song that has, the song that has, pulled everyone from everywhere, and everyone loves it, and everyone knows every single word to it, and it's like, no one dislikes it. Yeah, not not Black Parade. There isn't one. 100% not Black Parade. No, Wrong. That's, that's, it's one of the weirdest things you've ever said, and I hate to do this at the end of like your music appreciation episode, uh-huh. but that's one of the weirdest things you've ever said. I don't even understand <laughs> what you meant. But... The, the, yeah. You know what? I don't know all the words to Black Parade, so that dispels your theory right there. Um, well, I'll tell you now that you are the two first people who have disagreed with that out of everyone that I've said it to and I've said it to a lot of people because I regurgitate a lot of the stuff that I say to people I think people are just saying yeah 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 it's okay get in the van <laughs> get in the van don't scratch it just just sit in and we'll get you we'll get you home it'll be fine but apart from that that was very insightful and really good and I very much enjoyed yeah, that definitely. thank you for sharing definitely. your music history oh. with us yes I, Liam I, I, lo- I love doing this I've got my hand up guys uh, can, can I ask my one question now of course, yes. Amazing, right? You guys ready for this? This this will trump anything that I've said the entire episode. So, I saw a post on Facebook, and it said, you've got pick one movie, you get to keep one of the actors, but all the other actors are Muppets. What movie? 
um, Avengers Endgame, mm-hmm. and Thanos is the only actor. Ooh. Josh Brolin, and he is fighting Muppets the entire time. That's good. It's fucking hilarious. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Jim? Mm-hmm. No, I'll, I'll jump. I'll jump in the name. <laughs> so you've Jim's got been one. a strimmer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, obviously, I've had a, a while to think about this, but two of my favourites that I came up with were Scarface, uh, which obviously, yeah, yeah. Um, and Lord of the Rings, and it's only Gandalf. And the that's rest of good. You need an <laughs> that is, that, that's good. You need an ensemble thing. That's because yeah. my first instinct was Rocky. Mm. <laughs> and it's Rocky punching fuck out of a Muppet which might be good I would watch that yeah yeah we'll, we'll, yeah, so we'll yeah, go yeah. with that then and Adrian's a wee Muppet and Polly's a wee Muppet and Apollo Creed's yeah, a wee that's... Muppet and his trainer's a wee Muppet and his manager's a wee Muppet and um, <laughs> the guy in the pet shop's a wee Muppet and um, yeah okay no that's why that's why I went with the same sort of like uh, with Avengers Endgame, like an ensemble piece that you could just have fun and put one person as a human and the rest is Muppets. It's gonna be funny either way. It could be the, the, the scene where he's walking in and he sees Mick, who's a puppet. He's like, hey, what, why is all my stuff on Skid Row? And you can have all the boxers, but instead of the boxers training, it's all his little Muppets. <laughs> Lads. Yeah. No, of course. Of course. Titanic. The room. The room. The room. <laughs> Oh Tommy Wiseau with Muppets. <laughs> Can you imagine the obscene sex scenes? I think it would make more but sense. As awkward as they are, it would make, pop in a Muppet instead. It would make more sense if you had Muppets, though. It would <laughs> it would diffuse the whole thing, I think, unfortunately. It'd be like, ah, oh, it's this movie. It would, it, it, it would make complete sense if you had Muppets. In. Oh, sorry, we're not trying to make movies better. Machete. 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 <laughs> Sorry, Machete. Machete. Machete only watches Machete. Or Machete kills. Machete. Right, we need to stop recording now because Diggle's got yeah. enough to edit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got content. We've led content for an hour and a half. Yeah, that is an hour and a half. Right, mm. so if you want to sign us off. Uh, well, firstly, thank you very much, Liam, for sharing all that with us. And oh. as I said to Diggle on the first one we did, if there's anything else that occurs to you, we'll get it in somewhere else. Don't yeah. be worried about it. Uh, thank well. you, Dougal, for editing this in the future. And um, thank you, Jim, for being an amazing host. You're welcome. Thank you for being so humble. You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, anything else to say, lads? I, I would just like to say a big thank you for putting up with that, because uh, fuck me. And I, you know, I would, I would like to say that I love both of you. I love you too, mate. Love you too. And I love you, Liam. Let's have a bloody good life, guys. Let's. Anyway, happy tune about. Happy tune I've been Dougal. <laughs> like and subscribe. All that stuff, you know. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. And just be happy. Be good. And be yourself. I've been Dougal. I've been Liam. And I'll always be Jim. And Black Parade is nothing coming close to Bohemian Rhapsody. And Liam's a fuck. It right? really is. <laughs> I mean, he's, we'll have he's an episode he on really, that soon. really has embarrassed himself. Okay, bye bye.
<laughs> Bye. Bye. Much love. Should I boot? Skish, skish, <laughs> beloosh, motherfuckers. <laughs>